0: Hey, Bob, do you know what I'm missing? What are you missing there, Tanner Poppet? I'm missing heavy metal 24 hours a day. Do you know where I can find something like that? Dude, go to heavy metal television, man. That's the best. Heavy metal television? What is that? Yes, yes, heavy metal television. It's a 24-7 heavy metal website, all metal, all the time. Okay, let me go on there. Oh, look at that. Look at you. It pops up that quick. You go up there and boom, there you have it. Wow, mind blown. What That's right. What is this right. site called? It's heavymetaltelevision.com. Well, or you... heavymetaltv.net. Heavymetaltv.net? Yeah, look at two different platforms. And instantaneously, you get this metal right up yeah. on your big screen. If you got that Roku, which I'm sure you got the Roku or the Amazon Fire Stick, Dude, you just put it on your big screen TV and just rock out all night long.
1: Absolutely. Well, Bob, thanks for educating me on heavymetaltelevision.com. Check it out, people. Hey, everybody. It's Chris Aiken from the Classic Metal Show and the Aftershocks Podcast. And I know you want to see this next episode, but right before we do it, I just want to remind you that if you have an
0: Amazon device, whether it's a TV or a fire stick or fire cube or whatever it would be, a fire box if you're old school – uh, make sure you add the CMSPN to it. Just look up CMS Podcast Network on your
1: Amazon device, add the channel, and you will get every episode of all four shows for free right there on your TV. Make us part of your TV viewing every single day and night, all right? Uh, it's the CMS Podcast Network,
0: CMSPN.com, and it is now on Amazon. So get it, all right? All right, here's the episode you came to see. You are about to enter the Shockwave Skull Sessions podcast on shockwaveskullsessions.com. And now, your host, Bob Nalbandian. Oh, man, we got Rev Jones. My old buddy, Rev Jones, bass player extraordinaire, now tour master extraordinaire. What is that, the Rev Jones band? You've got your own t shirts? Look at Uh, that.
1: I've got my own band.
0: Yes, you do. <laughs> a good band at that. We'll we'll talk about that uh, uh, in this uh, podcast here. And, uh, uh, well, let, let me introduce Rev Jones, as, as well as being a bass player in his own band, the Rev Jones Band. You played bass with a number of legendary, some of my favorite guitar players of all time. That includes Michael Schenker Group uh, with Michael Schenker, of course, MSG. Uh, you toured with Uli Roth, you toured with Leslie Weston Mountain. Look at that. You also toured with Steelheart. I know you did a few shows with that band Fuel. Um, and I'm sure there you played with George Lynch. Were you playing live with George Lynch as uh, well? Just,
1: I did a, uh, an album with him.
0: An album with him? Actually, so you know. I
1: was supposed to play with him uh, this past weekend. They had a uh, Dallas guitar show, and I was getting in on the jam with him. And then the owner... Uh, of the thing called me back and said, George doesn't know who you are. (laughs) I said, okay. I sent him him all the pictures of the album credits and me and George recording. And I said, maybe you didn't say Rev Jones properly.
0: (laughs) Well, don't don't be uh, too disappointed. (laughs) I know another bass player that toured with him for a while and met him uh, later on. And he goes, who are you again? He's like, dude, I toured with you for <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Well, I guess. I talk to him all the
1: time. Somehow there was a miscommunication. I don't know. <laughs> I'll blame it on.
0: All right. And of course, Rev Jones currently are when when active, when uh, things are active again, you are currently the road manager for George Thorogood.
1: Well, the guitar tech. And the guitar tech, yes. Back
0: on the there you go. And speaking of managers, we got the manager. The man, the myth, the legend, the manager for George Thoroughgood. First time on this podcast, Adam Condi. How are you, Adam?
2: I'm doing well. Thanks for having
0: me, Bob. It's good to see you, albeit virtually. Yes, it is. And uh, thank you for being a big supporter of the Inside Metal series. Adam, a longtime metal head and big fan of the LA metal scene for many years. So we will not just only talk George Thoroughgood. we will talk metal on this episode. Awesome i love to talk metal right on man well let's let's talk right now uh, about the the current situation what you got going on obviously i know before this whole pandemic hit george was pretty active doing shows and you had a lot of shows uh, uh tours uh scheduled for uh george um you know i had seen him uh open up for zz top a, a couple years back and uh, even if you're not a George Thorogood fan, you got to see this guy live. He is just such yeah. an entertainer still to this day. Uh, what's going on now? I know uh, you you rebooked some shows for possibly late summer, or is it all for next year now?
2: Yeah, no, uh, we're hoping to work, man. Uh, we're all ready. Uh, basically, we have shows booked. Maybe some of them aren't announced yet, but starting in August, and uh, we've got a full year, through the end of 2022 or 21 and then we'll start back up next next year early and we have a, a full year booked which are a lot of them rescheduled but a lot of them new so yeah but pre-pandemic we were we were looking at 75 to 80 shows a year um and we're we're gonna get back there so as soon as as soon as they flip the light switch on we're there all right yeah and that'll
0: get uh, you back working uh, i guess you'll be working that tour right rev yo yeah yeah
2: as uh, far as he knows as far as he knows
0: <laughs> that's
2: no. yeah will Revel, Revel for sure be
1: there
0: yeah right oh well dude i'm looking forward to that and of course george's that's that's really his is, is bread and butter i mean I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sure he does does well uh uh you know uh, but you know with artists today these as you call uh a uh, legacy artists so to speak or classic rock artists whatever term you may use uh, that are still touring out there today. That's really um, what they yeah. do. There's not really, uh, I mean, he still does get a lot of play on, on obviously, classic rock radio. And I remember yeah. at one time I had heard that George Thorogood was one of the biggest artists when it comes to uh, uh, royalties paid off jukeboxes uh, during I, the- y- You I, and I talked about that, and I, I can't yeah.
2: corroborate that, but- it would make sense. I know he was up there in in the licensing world for bad to the bone, right?
0: Bad to the bone. All I mean, those are all bar songs, and you think about all the yeah. bars that had jukeboxes throughout the Midwest and you know Middle America. I mean, that totally makes sense. That you know.
2: and the poor guy can't get away from the fact that, well, I'm I think it it's happened to me, and I'm sure it's happened to Rev, where just because we're guilty by association, where. Well, oh, uh, we're going to put Bad to the Bone on the jukebox because yeah. Rev, Rev's here. I, I'm sure he'll like that, you know, and, <laughs> uh, you know, but yeah, I think it's a bad, uh, it's a good problem to have.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, dude, that's, I mean, that's a legacy song. What What is that? Uh, nearly 40 years old, that song? and Yeah, uh, 1982.
2: And not yeah. to mention, I drink alone and one bourbon, one scotch, one beer and get a haircut, move it on yeah. over and, you know,
0: those songs are still Legacy yeah. songs Still played yeah. today And that's that's a rarity For a band to have That many You know He's definitely not a one You know As people You know May recall Bad to the bone He's definitely not a one hit wonder You just named You know Five or six songs That were huge You know top. Yeah And even
2: if You know Some that he has written Some that he hasn't He's, he's certainly made them Made them his own And uh, you know We all Who've worked with him You know It's like I I defy anyone To try to cop those songs and sound like him. He's just got his own thing about him in his own way. And like you said, the live show is where it's at. Um, uh, the, the energy and, and, and he still believes in entertainment and he still wants to give the entertainment value to people. And, and that's part of the reason why we all like working for him. Plus, he's a, he's a really cool guy. See yeah,
0: that. he definitely seems that way. And yeah, like I said, when I saw him live, I was just blown away because you don't you don't see that anymore. The entertainers that really work the crowd and all the, the the whole crowd, even though it was a, you know it was a ZZ Top show, it seemed like he almost went over better because all those songs people were singing along and he got the whole audience singing along. And you know, it's just drinking music, and you don't hear that anymore in this kind of you know PC society where you can't. You know, talk about certain stuff. It's all about drinking, partying, and just having a good time. And uh yeah. it was very refreshing to see that. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Good. Yeah. I'm glad you liked it,
0: man. Oh, that was in um
2: uh where was
0: that? Uh that was at the fair at the Palo Alto. Yeah, State no, that that one was actually in Sacramento at the fair at the Oh, it's okay, okay. Yeah, yeah that I came out for. Yeah. Nice, cool.
1: So that's it's that way. Uh last year when we were uh in New Zealand with uh you know, did this these festivals and it was uh what was it Billy Idol, George, uh,
2: Creedence, Clearwater Creedence, revisited. Uh, oh wow. Mouth
1: and, and, uh, Anastasia. So it was yeah, was like this, oh, wow. big, this <laughs> huge, huge thing. And I mean, nobody was really the headliner, you know, uh, but everybody, everybody sang every word of George songs, you know? Yeah. Uh, so no matter who they come to see, they, you know, we had the same thing when we toured with Brian Adams, you know, a few years back They're you know, a George fan isn't necessarily going to like Brian Adams, but the Brian Adams fans all like George. You know, yeah, because you know the songs. The Universal. songs are fun, they're catchy. Plus, he's he's selling them to you. You know, right. Regardless of it, he's going to be, you know, across the stage dancing it up. You know, giving you, mm-hmm. you know, giving you the show. And you're going to go, oh, I, I hate this song. And he's going to come across, I love this song. You know, <laughs> even my my wife. You know, she's like 30 years younger than me. uh, you know, she when I took her to see George the first time, she couldn't believe she was blown away at, you know, how entertaining it is. You know, yeah. So that's, absolutely, that's one thing. He that's why he's lasted this long. You know, mm. you, and when we play with other artists that are in the same, I guess, age category or whatever, most the majority of them don't come across that way. You know, they, it's almost like some of them you're like, oh god, oh yay. You know. You don't want to, right. you know, disrespect them, but just say, like, oh, and then some of them you're like, oh, that's great, yeah, they're great, and then George comes out, and you're like, oh, you know, it's like the old thing about we don't have, we don't need security here, we don't need a, you know, a barricade, and it's always right. gonna be that 90 year old woman that's never done anything, <laughs> <That's>
2: <laughs> right? Exactly so many times that's happened, yeah. yeah Where ah, oh, this is gonna be an older crowd, and it, you know, we we don't really need a barricade. We're gonna and you say, look, I. I first of all, they're a heavy drinking crowd and they're a party crowd and you put heavy drinking and party together and then throw in testosterone and you know, yeah, the Rev's right. It's usually not some guy that's, it's, it's the woman that you never expected who, Is like a spider monkey onto the stage and, and and, elderly
0: women, man, they're insane.
2: Yeah. Right. Right.
0: (laughs) Back back in the day, it used to be, Oh, you crazy youth. You know, now all the young kids are going out, you crazy old people, you know? Right. Right. The Young people are all mellow on their iPhones and this and that. And, you know, I mean, shit, I still go see a metal show. I'm still up front of the stage, you know, banging and, Getting those looks, like what is this? What's this old guy doing? What's he? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I can imagine with those women. But it's funny you mentioned about um, uh, that. Uh, uh, well, let's go to go, go uh, as, as far as the the touring um, aspect. What is uh, uh, so so? Do you do have shows planned for later this summer? Correct. And is it going to be a headlining uh, tour or?
2: Yeah, it's How it's about? primarily a headlining tour. We do you know a lot of theaters large clubs, uh PACs, and then um then there are some festivals in there as well.
0: Okay, so, cool. Yeah.
2: But it'll it'll be primarily this year. And that's just the way it was already laid out. It was the later part of the year were were our own shows. Yeah.
0: Right on. Oh what I was gonna say is I uh, I remember you had just said about how much of a drinking crowd it is. I remember I, I spoke with someone who worked all those big amphitheaters the big summer amphitheaters and he had told me uh the uh, and and this is something you don't account for is the alcohol sales you know that's why you're paying you know you know 25 bucks a beer or whatever yeah, right. you know the artists are act- you know obviously making a, a bit of a percent of that i would hope or a, a pretty good percent mm-hmm. uh depending on the case but he had said that george thorogood and jimmy buffett of course jimmy buffett a huge oh, draw yeah. uh were like some of the top uh artists uh you know and then you know the metal bands were down the road a bit you know i mean you had like uh, you know the, the guns and roses and metallica obviously were kind of up there but i was surprised that jimmy buffett and and george Thorogood brought in the biggest uh uh income as far as alcohol sales at at these big venues so there you go yeah. another uh, uh aspect of, of the business so uh yeah. but rev you got uh the the latest album backwash a killer solo record that you put out and you had uh uh, what was it? Blasted to Static, uh, released a few yeah. years back. Well, so this is your amazing second amazing. solo record, so you're yeah, still no, obviously.
1: I have a I have a new one right now that um uh, is being mixed.
0: Yeah, that well, let's can we talk about that? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, let's talk about that it's, a bit. Uh,
1: it's going to be called Rev Jones in the Key of Z. I love uh, it. Dark Star Records is going to put it out. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, I think it's exactly like. Uh, any rev jones album it's going to be unpredictable at, what the next song sounds like you know might be country might be bluegrass might be you know metal whatever you know but i uh, get jeff martin back on drums uh, Right. i did all the guitar again on this one except for the solos i got uh, uh russ paris he played nice. on a song Steve if you don't know Hampton. russ he was uh he was in fight and he's also right. satchel yeah uh so I got who else, uh, uh, Bill from Firehouse, I got Rowan Robertson, uh, Ira Black, Jack Frost, uh, Urosh from uh, Steelheart played with me, uh, Robbie Lotner, he played with uh, with Rob Halford as well, he plays with uh, Jack, uh, right now. Uh, who else, uh, Jim Suler from The Destroyers. From George oh, wow. again, the yeah. Destroyers.
0: real nice guy, we went out uh, to dinner with him. Yeah. I
1: got Michael T. Ross on a song, a keyboard player. All right, um, a couple of country guys that from Oklahoma. That uh, got to get
0: those country boys in there.
1: It's uh, it's quite a, it's quite a matchup, you know. It's, but it, it makes it cool because every song is kind of different, so every solo, you know, it's like they're all complete different styles, but it all, you know, it kind of, it almost seems like the song was written for them, you know.
0: Right, right. But, well, that's so, great that you're still active, and hopefully, we'll get you out there, uh, seeing, out there touring on that. Are you still, I, I know, you know, you had told me that, uh, uh you know, uh, uh being George's guitar tech was, uh, 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 a much steadier income, so to speak than, than even touring with, you know, names like, uh, Michael Shanker, Leslie West, and Uli Roth, because they're always so sporadic on tours, but are you still looking to, uh do possibly some shows if, if Michael was to call you for a tour? Yeah, or- we
1: were actually, you know, it's weird to, uh, when Michael started doing this, uh, Michael Shaker Fest with, the, right. with the, all the singers. Originally, me and uh, Pete Holmes were going to be the, the U.S. band, right? So he was going to have Ted and Chris be the uh, Europe band. Sure. We were going to be the U.S. band. There was actually going to be a different Japanese band, I think mm-hmm. it was going to be Simon and right. Know, uh, yeah, he does else. that. Yeah. And the reason was because he wanted to, oh, if I do the second tour, I can change it, right? You know, so it's So you could go, you know, and the main reason is because then he could put a DVD out from each
0: one, you know, I mean,
1: he's, he's always thinking of that, you know, he used to always say, I don't know why they take so many pictures of me. I look the same in every picture, you know, and he, he's always thinking about that. So originally that was how it was. And then they did that, those first shows and it was just a few. And then they went, they got the thing for Japan and went ahead and took that first band and then it was locked in that it was just going to be Chris and you know Ted. And then when Ted passed away, you know they put Bodo in there. And then now I'm not sure if they're going to keep that lineup, or, you know, because he has that new album with you know different uh, of the more modern age singers and stuff. So I'm not sure what he's doing now, but uh, there might he's still be a chance, Michael. Yeah, there might still be a chance. Usually, I could say, oh, there's you know there's no more MSG with me. And then two days later, you know, I'll get yeah. an email. I, I need you to play the whole tour. It'd
0: know? be interesting to get into that guy's mind to see how how and it works. Uh,
1: and now <laughs> that he doesn't drink or anything, it's, yeah. you know, it's like a different person, you know. I mean, yeah. in, the right, old days, in the old days, there was at least three or four people in there. And I met them all, <laughs> you know. But, you know, since he stopped drinking, you know, it's like, a, you know, very focused and, you know, it's a yeah. good deal. So, and we actually... It sucks. Right before Leslie passed away, we were going to start working on a a Leslie West album. I remember you telling me that. And uh, yeah, we were like literally a couple of weeks away from, you know, going in to start it. It was just going to be uh, uh, like Mountain and, you know, it was going to be all songs of his kind of redone, you know. And uh, so then after he passed away, we're actually now we just started working on it. Mascot's going to put it out. We're going to do a tribute album with me cool. and Bobby Rondinelli since uh, we were the rhythm section, you know, so right. we play on everything and then there's a bunch of guests, uh, I know Slash is on it for sure, uh, Lukather's on it, uh, wow. D. Snyder, you know, so yeah. there's some other guys that I, mm-hmm. I, I don't really know for sure if, you know, that are locked in, I can't really say yet, but mm-hmm. so it, I, I'm sure that that'll be, you know, probably out within the year, you know, so, but.
0: So Can't look wait out for that one. one, too. Make sure yeah. you get
1: the, the new Rev Jones album when it comes out, maybe July. Yes. And then you can pick up that when it comes out, and then you can listen to him on the way to a George Thorogood show.
0: There you go. How's that for a sale? <laughs> man, he is shameless self. Hire <laughs> this <laughs> one. <laughs> right. <laughs> Very cool. So. Yeah, Bobby Rondinelli. what an underrated drummer, man. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, I remember when he replaced Cozy Powell, I saw him in, Rainbow on, what was it, the uh, Straight Between the Eyes Tours, or one of the tours he first joined, uh, or uh, Difficulty Cure. And, uh, boy, that, that guy oh, could follow. Well, Still. it was
1: funny. The first time, I'd, I'd met him on the phone, and, you know, Leslie, hey, Rod Nelly's going to play with us, you know. And I was like, cool, cool. So he I had to go meet him at Nam you know, just so we'd know each other the first time we played. And I was doing uh, one of the uh, the metal jam things at Nam with, uh, uh, I think, Jeff Martin was playing drums and, uh, I can't even remember who all was, uh, who all was doing it, but it was like the the metal jam they do every year, you know? Sure, sure. And, uh, uh, so we were out there playing and I talked to him that day and I said, hey, come out and, you know, come out and see us. We're at this, whatever the club was. So he shows up, right? he shows up, I make him get up and do, uh, uh, long live rock and roll or something, you know? So the first time I even really met him, we were, you know, playing a rainbow song, you know? So, right. It was cool. But yeah, he's, he's a great drummer. I just, I would hate to have been in that position, you know, that he played on uh, Love at First Sting, You know, Dieter Dirks would send
0: oh, Garmin uh, right. and
1: those guys home. They were so out of it, they couldn't play. He right, would send right. them home, and then Jimmy Bain and uh, uh, yep. Rondinelli came in and played all the parts, but they could never tell anybody. Oh, wow. You know? and, and until years that's later, really whenever the, you know, the whole fighting and suing back and forth, and then the truth came out, nobody could, t- you know. Right, and, and that had to suck every day here in Rocky, like a hurricane on the radio. And, you know, people
0: going, oh, that, that drummer's great, and you're like, Well, <laughs>
1: <it's
0: me." laughs> yeah, oh, interesting. Uh, well, Adam, you've had quite a history, uh, uh, and uh, being as, as young as you are, being a, a oh, thank you, manager, I mean, you know, I mean, you're much younger than George, uh, obviously, and you've worked with. A lot of, uh, as, as a touring uh, road manager, uh, a lot of, you know, classic uh, uh, soul. Uh, I mean, uh, Little Richard, uh, Aretha Franklin, uh, George Clinton, mm-hmm. uh, I know you had worked with in the past uh, as, as tour manager. Talk And then you worked with, you know, a slew of country artists, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so you, you've done uh, quite a bit in, in your life uh, on the road. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about that and how you got into the business.
2: Well, I got, I got into it, I, I think, like a lot of people, frustrated musician, or or not even frustrated, but just, uh, I grew up piano player. I went to college for classical piano and, and got a scholarship in composition and moved to Nashville to be a player. But uh, before then, it was just, I met a guy that was uh, what was called a backline tech. I had no idea what a backline tech was, but I, I it was cool because he, he worked all these shows. He he had a, a huge arsenal of rental keyboards and rental gear. So his bread and butter was really uh, R&B and, and hip hop acts and such because he had all the keyboards. And so I started kind of skipping some classes or on the weekends, going to cover shows, doing backline, which is basically sh- you have all the gear, but you don't have lights or PA or anything. And you set up. The keyboards and the amps and make sure they work and it was thrown into the fire i didn't know how to make an amp work if a tube goes out i'm a hack guitar player i don't you know but it was just like anybody else it's trial by fire you get thrown into it you get yelled at enough times and you think eh, i better learn how to change a fuse you know um things like that so i i, I started out doing backline and that's where i, I got The first tours that i did as a backline tech were aretha franklin and little richard i did separately tours and so i kind of got to see a little bit of the road world and, and knew i really liked it and when i moved to nashville um i was working in a factory eight at night eight in the morning and uh i met a friend of a friend who was a road manager and said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm leaving this gig. You want to take over as road manager and get you out of the factory. And I I said, I I don't even, you know, I don't have a clue what a road manager does. And he said, ah, it's just people skills and organization. You can do it. And I said, yeah, okay. So I I got to gig. It was a signed band with a a good history. It was a band called uh, the pirates of the Mississippi and they were on, they were on Capitol records. And I immediately panicked because I realized you just agreed to do something you don't have a clue how to do. And, uh, it was me and one other guy and we set up the gear and did sound checks together and hired, you know, the local people to do merch and just progressed on and on and and got more and more road gigs and and really enjoyed it. And I, I felt like being a musician, I could speak musician a little better. I knew what that feeling was to be nervous and your ego and, you know, all the ups and downs of being a musician and going on stage. So I, I feel like I was a little better at it than some j- just because I, I could, I could talk to musicians and I could relate. And I, all my life growing up, I read liner notes. I love reading liner notes. So I knew who players were on albums and who engineers were and, you know, it was the same. You get the album, you go home, you put the headphones on, and you read the liner notes and look at the artwork. And, uh, you know, I, I I knew the players. I knew, and, you know, and then you meet guys like Rev who actually played with them and know them. And, you know, I mean, Rev can tell you how many times he and I just sit and talk, and I go, really, that was like the Bobby Ronanelli story. I had no idea. You know, I had those albums. But uh, so anyways, yeah, I just moved through that. Uh, was with George ten years as his tour manager, and when his manager retired um I knew at that point I wanted to be a manager so I threw my hat in the ring and and he took the bait um and then you know it was a job to one don't screw up forty years worth of hard work and and what he
0: pressure yeah
2: yeah what he'd accomplished and then try to try to elevate things on a certain, certain point, try to change things up a little bit, but you know, it, it was working. So it wasn't like I had to come in and retool the whole operation. There were just, you know, and and luckily George allowed me to do that. And he's, he's a rebel tell you from everything from set design, how it works. It's a community effort. And he allows us all to do it. We sit with, cocktail napkins and draw out things and do very crude renderings using mic stands and yardsticks and that now will this work and uh we do it all in-house and and there's a certain sense of pride that we all have knowing that we do that and and we have a a real stake and we've got some skin in the game Mm. well
0: that's great you know because i mean so many of you legacy artists I'm getting a bit of an echo here. Maybe I should throw the headphones on. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, you hear you fine. Okay. Yeah, so many of these legacy artists, they have these old-time managers who are cool but they don't they're not hip to the new technology or what's going on or how to uh, remarket the band to the youth audience. You know, I remember talking to Adam Parsons. Hold on, let me put these in. It might sound a little better here. uh Adam Parsons manages uh Thin Lizzy uh and Blackstar Writers and Uriah Heep and Saxon and uh a lot of these bands and he says it, it's constantly uh, a matter of uh, remarketing yeah. these artists Let's see if that works check uh but uh, but that's the cool thing about uh, having someone like you that's, you know, a lot younger and hip to the game and knows, you know, the current marketplace a lot better than because, you know, you run into a lot of these old managers. And it's like, God, these guys don't have a clue to what's, you know, the current market yeah. is, you know, they're still, yeah. you know, marketing to terrestrial radio new product, you know, and they're not going to play. I'm sorry, no matter how good a new George Thorogood album is or a new, uh, uh, you know, Deep Purple album is or what or new Scorpions album is. You know, these modern, or these rich, uh, radio stations, classic rock radio stations, they won't play it. They'll play yeah. the old hits. Yeah. But, you know, so you have to think outside the the, the market. And uh, that's something important.
2: Well, it is. And it, it, part of it is a... Uh, now I'm, I'm echoing. Is it... Am I echoing in your
0: ear? No. I, you know, it's, uh, it'll sometimes do that. Sometimes putting a headphone in, it helps. But uh, I don't know what... It's okay. All
2: right. No, no, I just, I, I, for me, it's like, I have to constantly educate myself and learn too. And I think it's like with anything in life, uh, if you think you've got it all figured out, you're absolutely wrong because it's there in our business, it's always changing and always evolving and staying on top of it is is, is quite a task in itself. And, and not that I have it all figured out, but it's the whole thing of, I'm not afraid to ask if I don't know how to do it, I'll ask somebody or I'll find somebody younger than me that that can explain it to me or older than me that can explain it to me. And, uh, and then, you know, I, I, I think heritage artists, like you're mentioning Thin Lizzy and George and the Scorpions and any artist that's been around for a while, some of them really want to know that, but some of them could care less. And, and really their job is not to do that. Their job is to create music and tour. And sure, you want to try to educate them that, but they hire you in order to handle those things for them. And, and they don't want to, you know, they sh- should, they, George could care less about that. He, he learns. But um, that's not his job, and that you know, their job is to be a musician and put on great shows and make great music and and entertain us all. And
1: uh, you're not as confused as Nigel. <laughs> <laughs> that's it.
2: That's it.
0: That's it for sure. You know. Nice. So. Yeah. Well, most artists they don't want to be on uh, Facebook and Instagram and having to post stuff every day. It's like hell with that. That's you know. That's well, the other their publicist and stuff to
2: The do. other thing is I, I, you know, I did van and trailer tours. I did where I was driving the van with the gear and the van was not. And, uh, you know, up until my first few bus tours where pre-cell phone, where it was that, you know, you know the manager is at home sleeping in his own bed and everything's great there, but maybe things are falling apart out on the road and, I never wanted to be that guy. I never wanted to be the guy that was so separated from, and I still tour with George, but even that being said, I, 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 you've got to know what's going on with the crew and and everybody and, and know that without, without them, it's not going
1: to happen, you know? And and Adam is one of those guys that doesn't, I mean, he's there every day. So he's, he's one of, he's one of the crew guys, you know, he's, he's one of the team instead of the guy that comes in, Every two weeks, going. Oh my God! Why are we spending this? And you know, yeah, starts freaking out. He's the guy that's you know he's in there. He knows why, you know, things are working and why things you know aren't working.
2: It does yeah. help to be out there, not only with George, but to just. I mean, you know, you can tell when you when your guys are getting tired, when they're getting haggard. When you look at something and say, you know, some something as small as. Having a little Nespresso machine that you carry around with you can mean a lot to somebody, or, or uh, making you know, uh, going you know what these guys sure could use a you know a, a day off on the road where it's really a day off, you know. Um, um, and a lot of that just comes from having having done it myself, but being out there, you're you. You better. I mean, if you don't see it, you got your eyes closed.
0: Well, that's important. I think that's a good point you made because I think a lot of managers and tour managers don't see that, or a lot of people outside, you know, the fans don't see that. And they wonder, why are these bands going at it like little children and fighting and arguing? But it is those little things that makes, because, you know, I know, I mean, being, you know, just going, and it could be just going on vacation or whatever. You're on the road for a while, things don't go right, and you're with certain people for, the, you know a, a week just a week and they get on your nerves and and and, th- and you have to kind of realize that before things get out of control and kind of sense what's going on and hey i, I think we should take a break i think they need to take a yeah. break and the label and everything i mean i remember back in the day the labels like put the band out on the road let them work and these bands would go out you know, even, you know, in the 80s, Metallica, Megadeth, they would go out for 18 months straight, you know, without yeah. a break. And it's like, that's suicide. And they wonder why these, you know, these band members are changing and why there's fights, why everyone's on drugs, why everyone's drinking and have uh, come back and go into rehab. I mean, that that could really... Yeah.
1: I've done uh, it with, with Michael Shaker. I mean, we played yeah. 300 shows in uh, uh, 2006, and we didn't even... We canceled America, so yeah, that would have been, you know... I mean, we. I was in Europe the whole year, you know. I mean, we mm. we played nonstop. If we would do, and part of it too is because the singer didn't really speak English very well, and he definitely didn't speak Deutsch. So uh, right. he was talked into doing eight shows in a row sometimes, you know, or not really mm-hmm. talked into it. There was just eight in a row, sure. Because yeah. Michael did, you know, he would he would do as many. If you played, if you wanted to do every single day, he would play every day. Yeah, right. it was it was always kind of up to the singer, and uh, yeah, we did. We did so many shows that, you know, everybody kind of grouped together that, you know, because he was, the, these are the only people that you could get along with. If you were hanging out with these, you know, there might be a little tension, you know, but, yeah, you, you know, we did it because that's what we do. But, yeah, you know, it's, I was a little younger of a man, so... <laughs> I, don't think I think I that's it, it
2: too. I mean, you think about it when you're younger. I mean, the most I ever did as a, a road manager was 275 shows in a year. And I look wow. back now and there's no way I can do it. You know, no way I could do it now. I loved it at the time, but, um, I think as you, as we evolve a, as an industry, uh, part of it, we've gotten a little softer, and, and <laughs> but part of it is it's, it's, it's smart. I mean, it's we're human beings. And uh, and, I, and that's what I was going to say with the whole being a road manager or a manager. So many times I've been in that situation where it's the them and us. It's the crew versus the band or the tour manager versus the production manager or you can't have that. It's a us, period. I mean, I think mean, it is us, period. We're all in it trying to make the same thing happen we're not curing cancer we're trying to make people happy with music and entertain people and, and i feel like we've got the greatest job in the world um, so why can't we figure out a way to do it civilly and 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 have a good time while we do it and 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 you know why can't we all just get along
0: yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good thing about now. I think these artists are, are at a stage where they're comfortable, you know, financially, and they've kind of done that in the past. And now with someone like a George Thorogood, he doesn't have to travel in a van and play every night, uh, you know, for, for months. And he can do fly-in gigs and the corporate gigs, which are huge, you know, for, for yeah. someone like a George Thorogood or a legacy act or a, a Huey Lewis, who could you know bankroll on just doing three corporate shows for Google or Apple a year you know yeah. and, and make as much money as he did you know touring up for you know at, at 10 months straight so it, it's a it's a different market and and the fly in weekend gigs are a big thing the festivals so it makes it a lot easier for artists that are you know well into their 50s and 60s and and beyond uh, yeah. to actually uh, you know go out on the road so uh,
2: Well George, like- George- Go ahead, I, Rip.
1: I was going to say, now I feel bad that I'm in that 50s and 60s category. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> uh,
2: well, I, I've heard George say it many times that, you know, he never wanted to be in a, a checker cab, you know, riding around and, dr- you know, playing and then driving all night and, and get, you know, and. I don't think anybody wanted to go through that. It wasn't like the glory days. That's just how it was. And you were, you were hungry and you were trying to make it. And, you know, he often talks about now, you know, I mean, the buses, the bus alone, It's a nice bus, you know, stay in decent hotels. The venues are nicer, you know, um, the, the venues didn't exist as, as they do. Now, you don't have as many promoters trying to rip you off, um, I mean sure it still happens but I think the conditions are much better but that that beginning stage is it's tough that's a young man's game you know sure. and and if you're not a young man man I I don't know how you do it
0: I can see George in the early days of the clubs playing these Total country rock saloons with people throwing beer bottles and stuff at them. They have to have the chicken wire, kind of like the Yeah, and it,
2: they <laughs> had that. And he yeah. said it was it, it, – he's not one of these guys that will reminisce about it. He was like, it was not fun. I did not enjoy it, you know. So. He'll
1: yeah, tell you he a million be, stories, but he won't tell you very many of those because they don't want to relive it. No, know? he
0: yeah. does not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's funny because back in the day i mean even even you talk about those those old shows in england at castle donnington and Reading, where they would throw piss bottles at the headliners or the opening acts or whatever whatever you know and you had to dodge and that was that was a part of the game that's what you had to do to make it you know nowadays yeah. Yeah. you know people are oh gonna you know but that's well, we were on a
1: van tour playing all these great places you yeah. Know?
0: yeah
2: yeah
1: yeah <laughs> two people in our
0: van you know it's yeah. like yeah decade. people can't believe it now oh they Feel oh, sorry? Oh man! He like, "That's rock and roll. That's what. That's what it is. That's what it was, yeah. you know." So, yeah, interesting. But with the, with the pandemic that hit, uh, I know it had to affect a, someone like George, who's a heavy touring artist, and someone like you too, Rev. That relies on. Whoop, there I go. I just disappeared. Oh, there goes Rev. There you go. There you go. Uh, I'm back. There, there we go. Know. <laughs> uh, I know. Um, it, you know. Obviously, you know, you you've made you you've done a lot of studio stuff, Rev. But you've made uh, most well, well, your. It's
1: been. Career. It's been over a year since I played. Physically played with a band, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean the closest to that was when we were, I was in uh, we were up in San Francisco recording the drums for my album, and I played tambourine while Jeff Martin played a bass drum with his hand. Hi. That was the closest <laughs> to playing in a band that I've been wow. all year, and I was so excited. I was like, ah, ah, ah.
0: Mr. Tambourine but, Man. Yeah,
1: but yeah, <laughs> and it's hard because since 1985, I've never went that that long without playing. I mean, that's when I started mm-hmm. playing, and I've always. You know, I played at least a gig every month, you know, in the early days, at least every month I played a gig and, you know, at least at least done 100, 150 shows every year of my adulthood. So to not do anything for a year and a half, you know, almost now, it's it's pretty, uh, pretty rough on my wife. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. And even you can't tour with, with George either. Cause I know George and I know George is, is a, even at his age, he's a road dog. He loves going out and yeah, performing on it. Yeah. yeah so I well, think we did,
1: we did uh, la- uh, last year we did like one, the one acoustic show, you know, that I flew out for. And uh, he was so excited because for that week we were all, you know, we were there working on his guitars and we did some other studio stuff, but uh, sure. you know, you could, you could sense it in him too. That, yeah. you know, that it's it's not just that uh, it becomes part of your everyday life. That okay, a month you know you're a month month home, and then you go back out on the road. And where's it at? You know, right? Uh,
2: no, I think the, the uh, one of the bigger things through this is the men and women that do what we do. Whether you're in the band, crew, management, et cetera, the men and women that do this, it's it's the mental well-being. That has been hurt. I mean, yeah, there's a financial component that ties in with that as well. But for so many people, that this is what we do, and our friends do this. Our friends are the road. uh, In many ways, the road family is just as close as your your real family um, because of what we talked about before. You're in such Tight quarters, and, and there's a you know you miss that sense of accomplishment at the end of the day when when the truck doors close. Um, you miss being out there with the people you love. You miss feeling purpose and and doing something. And I think that that's a large part of this is that people have really suffered mentally because of lack of doing what they're built to do yeah. mm-hmm.
1: especially so if you get somebody like me who's got ADD, it's even worse because now i'm just focusing on nothing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah now well that's yeah, something that that's that's an well, important point yeah yeah and it's uh, you know what's really rough is that they always tell you to have a backup you know got to have a backup plan in case right. this ever fails and i never realized that all my backup plans are in the same category you know like teaching i couldn't really teach whatever we stopped touring because nobody's doing, you know, in-person lessons. And it's hard to, it's easy to do online lessons, but it's hard to build it from nothing, you know, right. if you don't have a clientele. It's easier if you have one. So, and then at being a stagehand as a backup. Well, there's no show, so I can't even be a stagehand, you know. It's like every, you start going, well, you know. And I've, I know a lot of people that picked, right when it happened, they were in the... The stages of i'm going to retire sometime soon that i know several people that retired that have been doing this for yeah you know all almost all their lives that and you know it's it's so you get all those things in there and you know that normalcy of you know what do i do what do i do what do i do you know and that just that makes it even worse because even just to go all right i'm going to try to go with your everyday business you know after a certain point you start you know yeah you know, having a, you know, having a mental breakdown that you don't even realize, you know, until somebody tells you, you've got to do something, you know, yeah. got to get out of my house, <laughs> go, go. Did you,
0: know? you uh, consider, or have you done any of these virtual concerts? Uh, I know that's co- become kind of big and now it's like kind of so saturated and, you know, a lot of people are charging yeah. for these, you know, for a full on show I could see at a concert, but, you know, some of them are doing it in the well, bedroom. I, and this there and was
1: that. a couple, I was going to do a couple of things like that because they, you know, they they do shows around here, Now I mean everything's sure. almost packed to something. full yeah. now. And I was going to do mm-hmm. some, and the problem is that you know, the, I had the Rev Jones band here that I did shows with, and I got rid of my guitar player. And so it's like, well, I don't really want to play guitar and do a show because that's not what I do. You know, right. if I had a guitar player to do it with, you know, I mean, I've done a couple of these videos, you know, where you, you know, you do a little something, but even it's still not it's still not the same, you know, it's like, we did a
0: video for, was it the, the, the new drug? Is that, uh, was that from the last album or this? Yeah, that, it was, was from, that was from the yeah. last,
1: we actually did that. We, we did some of it, uh, was like on our last American tour, we'd filmed some of it and we were going to finish it while we were out doing the, you know, throw good tour. And we got sent home for this. And, uh, uh, Sean Berman, the, the monitor guy, he's the one doing the videos. He's like, well, we got to figure out a way to finish this <laughs> and you know i had this the, the footage that was like in pittsburgh and you know some of the footage so i had to all right how do we do this you know so i went down to the lighting company and shot some footage and you know shot some in my garage threw up a green you know background and you know we made it happen so that would at least those little things like that that was about a week long you know those uh those kind of took up that little bit and you know kind of like recording It takes up that little bit, but after that week, immediately you're back to, you know, right? Call it Adam every, you know, every couple days. (laughs) show. That
2: was funny. We've all we've all talked a lot. All of us. Uh, We even did a a a zoom a couple zoom calls just to have zoom calls to talk to everybody, which Mm -hmm. speaks to that whole thing. Like we actually like each other. You know, (laughs) this is one thing you go and I actually like those guys. I like hanging out with them. You know.
1: Yeah. When you're all questioning where's josh why is it josh on the call you know right
0: where house? is he yeah
1: <laughs>
0: well it definitely looks like a fun crew that you had man and it's it's yeah, uh, it great is, to man. see you. but before we uh uh close things out since this is a metal podcast we got to talk metal and uh it's funny how i met adam was obviously through rev rev saying dude i'm I'm yeah. working with george thoroughgood now I'm, I'm his tech and you've got to meet the manager he's a big fan of your inside metal documentaries he's a total metal head and it's like, wow. So, you know, that, that was, that was so true, story. true story. Yeah. Talk about your, your metal fandom. I know you were big into the LA metal scene and where did you grow up in the in man, LA
2: or? No, but I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, the Rust Belt and every right. metal. I mean, that was like metal central. And some of these guys right. like Wolf Hoffman from except I've, I've gotten to know Wolf well now. And, and, you know, they all right talk guy. about man, hair arena, Dayton, Ohio, Cincinnati gardens. I mean, they, that was a mainstay. So, growing up, uh, man, I mean, I – you know, I, I – Van Halen was my first big – and I still, to this day, love Van Halen. But, you know, I, I grew up listening to Dio and Accept and Iron Maiden and God – loved Michael Schenker. I mean, and when I met Rev, the fact that he had played with Michael Schenker, that was – oh, that was unbelievable, you know, and got to go see Rev play at uh, – was that the Roxy? Where was that? I
1: think so. Uh, with or, Michael. Uh, we all vanished. Or maybe it was uh, uh Gazzario's. What was that? The key club.
2: Yeah, it was the key club, yeah. But uh, you know, Michael Shanker, uh Gary Moore, um, and you know, Scorpions, uh, uh Maiden. Yeah, A C D C. Um, I love anything Graham Bonnet sang on. I was I was there. Um I loved I saw Ingbe Malmstein when I was, I think. 15 or 14 at a roller skating arena or roller skating <laughs> rink in in Dayton and uh that changed my life because Jens Johansson you know I mean uh, lead Lord. keyboards and which that got me into Jan Hammer and uh wow. you know before before that you know I like John Lord of course you know John Lord anything uh, John Lord I still I went a deep dive a couple weeks ago with listening back to in rock and, and just different, you know, and you hear those and you're like, uh, you you, are reminded of that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're reminded how amazing that band was and how incredible John Lord was. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I listened to all the, the hair bands. I mean, I love rat. I love rough cut, uh, you, you know, Paul Shortino. I did that. I remember MTV with the yeah. hearing aid video stars and yeah my friend Hank and I with the VHS, you know, when's uh, this video is coming on to record it and recording uh, you know, all the DO videos. So yeah, I, I love that stuff. I still love it and listen to it. And, uh, I probably am weakest on just keeping up with what is the, the, you know, really great stuff. I mean, I, I, I they're not that new, but I, I like bullet for my Valentine. I love shadows fall. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can't keep up with, with the new stuff, um, as much Thank as I God. would like to. Well, I used to work in record stores, so, you know, mm. worked in, you know, so you could listen for free and check out everything you wanted to buy, sure, you know? Sure. So,
0: yeah. Yeah as I say, it was George, because George would go over great, I think, with a metal audience, just because he's just so raw and rocking. And, you know, again, the lyrics, it's all drinking, party music. He drinking, does. Getting laid. He would, and, and, he would he, actually do well at, uh, if he played it back in. I was thinking of like in Europe of Akin or Sweden Rock, where it's a yeah. mix, a slew of bands. He they...
2: did Sweden Rock with us, okay. and he was terrified. And I, I will yeah. tell this story, because I mean it. That day was Deep Purple, Celtic Frost, Crocus. <laughs> uh, I forget who else was on, and and he we was played like the next day. Did uh, you?
1: Yeah, we played what? the day after you guys
2: played. Okay, I think Doro was on the bill, and. I remember him saying to the manager, what, you know, what are you trying to do to me here? Cause I mean, you look out and it is a sea of leather and jean jackets with right. patches and just the, you know, and I love, I'm like, Oh, this is incredible. Well, you know, he has to play. And, uh, and it's funny, it funny was him and Jeff Healy were on the bill that day. And it, and it was the same thing, you know, this for Crocus, this for Celtic Frost, here comes George. Uh, you know, and he loved it. And it, he was like, that was incredible. And so, you know, that. speaks yeah. I And I, so I think they
0: open-minded there in Europe too. Yeah, to that kind they of really
2: stuff. are. They yeah. really are. And, uh, you know, I, I remember him saying, well, what should I play? And I'm like, well, play what you, they, they booked you. They know what you are. And, uh, right. it was, uh, it was pretty cool to see it. And yeah, I think vakken would be one I would, whether that could ever happen or not. Oh, I don't no. know, but I'd love to see it.
1: The funny thing is whenever, uh, uh, when I was playing, the, the, when I was still in MSG uh, in 06 and I was doing, when we were, weren't on the road, I was out with Thoroughgood doing lights, you know. So uh, I flew back to Germany after a, a, a tour or whatever and we were to start back up with Shanker. And uh, Holger, the guy, the half owner of Vacken, he picks me up and we're, he's driving me to the hotel and he's asking me about Thoroughgood, And he's the biggest Thoroughgood fan there is. He, you know, here's right. the king the the German around. tank, the king of yeah. metal. And he's asking me, you know, oh, don't tell anyone, don't tell anyone. I love George Thorogun. I love him. You know, <laughs> this big, gigantic, you know, he's like six, nine and right. 8,000 pounds. Urgh! You know, and he's asking me about Thurgood. and I'm just laughing the whole time, you know, because, you know, I said, well, why don't you book him? Ah, oh. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, every, that's Metal how
2: street is. cred, right.
1: Uh, yeah. But, you know, at, at Sweden Rock, it was like that. Whenever... I played there with MSG and you know it was all the heavy bands but we played and then uh uh who was oh uh 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 Chris and Ted McKenna came out with uh, uh uh Alex Harvey Alex Harvey band without wow. Alex Harvey they yeah. played and then Ted Nugent and then White you know and it was just right. kind of but it was like heavy bands on the other side you know yeah yeah but it's you know it's, so it's it's this it's always this kind of weird you know they have great uh, bills. Yeah, I
0: wish they did stuff like yeah. that here in the states. But, but and it's not yeah. so
1: here. They're oh, if it's yeah. a if it's a metal headliner, it's all metal bands because they think yeah. that's what you want to hear, you know. And they and I like in Europe that they put them in the middle. The head right, the right. best band, biggest band, might be at six o'clock. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. That way, that way, everybody's there all day instead of all day long. You got all these bands, and then oh, now it's ten o'clock. Right, right, right. The head, You know, but yeah, once burnt out, yeah.
2: Yeah. I think they're starting to try a little more in the states with you know yeah. with with some of the festivals, but uh, boy, it's I mean nothing like the European festivals where it's just uh, the mix. You just look and go, what in the world, you know? But it works, it works, it works. Yeah. It works yeah. Yeah. you know. And, and yeah. I think it's people like just people like music, you know. And it's yeah. like I mean, I, I at the same time I was listening to. The Scorpions and Iron Maiden, and I was listening to Michael Jackson, Off the Wall, and Toto, and I—it didn't matter. It was just really good music, you know. Yeah,
0: absolutely.
1: That's how it it should be. I mean, you know, I grew up—you know—I listened to King Crimson and yes, and all those weird bands. And I'd go see—you know—we wouldn't seen every concert. I went and seen every concert that came from when I was twelve until I was about sixteen. Every concert—it didn't matter if it was Dan Fogelberg, and I don't—I can't stand any of his songs. I was there. You know, we were, it was a concert, you know, and I loved that, you know, and it was all the way up. I went to concerts all the way up until I think it was the first time I had to pay $20 to get in a concert, and it was King Diamond and Flotsam and Jetsam. Oh, I
0: remember, and I that was call. like, man,
1: yeah, $20 to get in a concert, and that was it. I mean, I just kind of stopped going. I mean, I kept going to concerts, but I didn't, I no yeah. longer paid to get in, you know. <laughs> Not, not well, that was
0: back when we were kids. That was what you did. You went to yeah. shows. And unfortunately, the youth today, that's not, uh, you know, going out and going to concerts isn't, yeah. you know, the same feeling that we had when we were younger. They're, they have their YouTube and their other stuff. And just it's just not the same vibe, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, it's so, not. Yeah. But I do love your Inside Metal series. And I mean, all the, truly, I before I met Rev and you, I, I loved those and loved watching them because I could. You know, I could see Don Doc and then Dave Menicetti in the same uh, same time as I. I could see. So I just, certainly, there were bands that I had heard of, but I hadn't. Either the album cover scared the hell out of me, and I didn't. Right. I was like, "Oh man, I don't know about that one." What you know? But then right. you you hear it, and it, it, a lot of your your films have got me to check out other bands that I didn't. I knew the name, I just didn't know about
1: them. Right. You know? And the bay yeah, area good. was a killer you know the so, bay
2: area ones are great yeah,
1: yeah it's killer just, yeah, oh, we just yeah, what's, it, it's, what what's great is that it had if if you didn't have those most people would never know about carrie king you know playing the, those mega dancers, you know sure yeah i mean i only knew about it because i have friends that that grew up there with them that moved right. here you know that had told me oh yeah you know
2: that, yeah like, i wouldn't that's, have known any
0: of that yeah yeah, and, yeah. but it's well like, that's uh that's a band, band
2: versus brand another yeah. one that oh I, there you go yeah and that that one got my business mind going because suddenly <laughs> like who owns the destroyers logo who well i'm glad you it? got Not that i that. wanted to take advantage <laughs> of it but i thought well how do i protect these guys but you know? that is a
0: big you know? thing the destroyers is part of you know the george Thorogood brand and uh, yeah yeah absolutely and george yeah. Thorogood has got such a huge name and
2: What's that thing like, you know, that became evident on the video when, when a band starts out, you're going to conquer the world together. And then life happens and you might hate each other at the end. Well, well, who owns the band? You know, who owns yeah, yeah. Hawkwind? You know, it <laughs> was one of them who owns Hawkwind, right, right. you know, and, 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 you know, suddenly when you brave new world, we're all going to conquer the world together. We're going to be a band for the rest of our lives. And you're my brothers. I hate you, yeah. you know, that, and, uh, it's those are ugly conversations that every artist and band needs to have at the beginning and no one wants to but that was that that was a a very eye-opening well thanks man yeah Yeah,
0: that was a little different for me doing the the, the business end but i thought it was important especially in this day and age when you're seeing a lot of these legacy bands are you know skinnered and where the estate some of the uh you know the wives own the name or this and that and that you know it's 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 a crazy business and you know especially after after someone's dead and gone like a bowie or even Lenny or whatever who's going to carry on the name the t-shirts will still sell even more so than you know when the artist was alive sometimes so yeah somebody's making money out
2: well and look at (laughs) now Yeah. Look at all the Motown soul and r RB. I mean, the spinners, how many spinners are there? And how many yeah. four tops groups? And how yeah. many uh, yeah. temptations, <laughs> right? I mean, they're just there. There's hey, uh, which spinners am I gonna see? it, you know? And exactly, it, it, but it and it's all, filtered you know, into it
0: the whole 80s metal scene, Great White or Queens or LA Guns. It's like, well, which version is it? Yeah. Is it the uh, you know, the Jeff Tate version, or is it the other version? We is just is did it that and, and,
2: uh, in Minnesota. It was it Jack Russell's Great White? Yeah, it was right. George. Jack Russell's great white, and was it is it called Cinderella? or Was it Tom Kiefer? It Tom, Tom Kiefer.
0: Kiefer, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah that Kiefer. was it. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, well, I think so he is playing with some of the uh '80s metal bands. Every
2: now and then it'll it'll happen. It, right. Every now and then it'll happen, and I think it it, it works really well. But oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. You know,
0: well, that's the thing about George is people, you know, it's because it's not just that rock and roll '50s music with an edge. It's kind of like that biker rock, tough and rumble rock and roll. So. He could play to a full on biker Hells Angels crowd, to a country crowd, yeah. to a full on metal crowd. And, and it people depends on how it, you think of the energy. Because yeah. the songs are,
1: yeah. a couple of the songs are really heavy. They yeah, yeah. Got a heavy guitar sound. Everybody yeah. hears guitar sound that's in, there's a metal guy or just a rock guy. They hear it and they're like, God, how's he getting that sound? You know, it's just so, you know, such a heavy, heavy sound. You only think of it because of, how it came into yeah, play, yeah. you know, I mean, because ACDC is far from being a heavy metal band, that's just, you know, their sound, right. everything is just rock, mm-hmm. but those songs are so heavy yeah. at the same time that you know, you know, it's it's one of those things. I mean, if you listen to 21st Century Schizoid, man, it's the heaviest song I've ever heard. It came that out in 1969 is, yeah. and it has a flute, in in crimson. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: all yeah. the AC, like you bring up ACDC, yeah. I mean, you hear that and like if you're a blues fan, which I am, and, and you, and you, know, you had a healthy dose of muddy waters and Howlin' wolf and, and whomever in, 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 your life, you go, Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm in sign me up, you know? And, and, uh, but it's like ref says, they're not a metal band, but man, it's heavy. You know, yeah. it is heavy. Yeah. Deep purple. It's just that. so heavy. deep purple. Yeah. Oh man.
1: Uh, they're not really, you know, people don't consider them metal, but that's, mm-hmm. That's super, that, that's how, George, there's some of these songs that, you know. I agree. I mean, part of yeah, it is yeah. I hear it in my ears, so I'm hearing, you know, just the guitar on one side. And it's like, I'm thinking, man, this is, if other people could hear this. Yeah. You know, they would see how heavy this really is. You know, it's not like, it's yeah. not like Slayer, but. Sure. You know, but if but Tom Mariah yeah. was singing over one of these songs, you'd be like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. Yeah. You know.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, it's like Adam said earlier, talking about John Lord. People think, oh, keyboards. We don't want keyboards to oh, lighten man. up. You know, you hear like the the 80s ballads, you know, like the White Snake ballads. That's a, what, you know, the, the pussy keyboards. But yeah. you listen to John Lord, there's nothing heavier than hearing in rock. Or listen to yeah. Ken Hensley. I was just listening to Gypsy Live when that kicks in. The, the rhythm. The... That right. is the, he- I mean, it's yeah. keyboards, but it is so dark and heavy and heavier it's than rain
2: rainbow and, and don airy and all yeah. that stuff i mean Tony the Carey. rhythm yeah. parts they're carrying alone where you're what you you hear yeah. it it's a guitar part no that's a clavinet yeah, yeah overdriven yeah, yeah. you know yeah. but w- without it the so the bottom end would have fallen sure. out of the, the solo opening, The you woman
0: you know with the keyboard solo that comes into that i mean oh man when i heard that it's like oh or started and,
2: and then getting in you know the guys like jens johansson with the leads sure. and 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 i'm drawn totally drawn a blank on the uh the band and the, uh from the guy just passed away from uh finland um children of Bodom.
0: oh children of Bodom! yeah great guitar player and
2: but that him. keyboard player the, yeah another yeah. one you know well, and, dude, and, and
0: sweden and, and and uh finland and and uh norway some of the most amazing musicians and uh yeah yeah i'm glad you bring up Jens johansson good buddy a great guy jensen anders oh. what a oh. team man ever since silver mountain uh the oh, old band and they've well, that's, always, that.
1: that's always been my favorite uh uh Adam story whenever he I'll, I'll mention anything about jeff soto and he'll oh immediately yeah. go to meeting those guys yeah. at the at the music store and you know Yeah, I worked oh, in a, playing at the
2: I worked in a music store in Dayton Ohio in the mall, uh, guitars and keyboards and I'm in a tie and and these Swedish guys come in and want to check out the uh, the one one wanted to check out the new Fender um I can't remember the seri- when Fender went to all the bassist guitars with the like the silver and the gray and it was like their more metal series and he went to the Bass player want to check out that keyboard player want to check out this new chord keyboard, which is Yanni Johansson, and this guy rips off these. You know, me being a classical piano player, I'm hearing all these baroque licks, but with these bends on them. And I'm like, Oh my. And you know, they said, Hey, we're playing a show and invited us to come. They can give us tickets, but we bought tickets. But, but you weren't but
0: familiar with rising force at this time. I had
2: never heard of being Momstein and rising force in my life. Right. And wow. the opening band was talus with Billy Sheen. Right. Yes. So we go.
1: Mitch Perry, to the, playing.
2: Mitch yeah. Perry playing guitar. And we, we go to this r- roller skating rink. And, you know, first of all, I'm, flipped out by Talis. i can't believe what i'm seeing or hearing because i had never heard of them either right and you know the sink your teeth into that was you know there and uh and then rising force comes out and this singer who wasn't on every song which was another thing was like there's a singer but he's only on a couple songs it was jeff scott soto and that voice man and the i mean like he commanded the stage i mean i you know it was like and I remember the, the, the tour, the rape and pillage tour, the Vikings are back.
0: Right. And it
2: was just this whole, and I, Jeff Soto was young, wasn't he? He was a young guy. He was very
0: young. Yeah, he was yeah.
2: But in my mind, he was not of this earth and he was not American at all.
1: He had that, he had the big Afro and the purple the big yeah, yeah. hair and <laughs>
2: the outfit. And he looked yeah, yeah. huge. Yeah. And I, you know, he put, he had the consummate foot up on the monitor. And I mean, you know, a manly man. And, uh, uh, the whole thing was incredible. Um, and I still listen to that, those first two rising force albums yeah. all the time and still think Ingve, I, you know, you can say what you want. I think the guy's a monster. I think he's one of the most soulful of the, the shredders, yeah. you know, the tone, uh, everything about, it. but yeah, the, uh, the band was, yeah, that, that blew my mind and, and was is still one of the most fun memories of me you know to think of growing up in dayton ohio and these uh these swedish guys came in you know and another band that came into the mall uh for a photo shoot that ended up being the cover of one of their albums was accept okay and, and it, was it russian roulette was yeah. that one of their albums yeah, yeah it was were uh, around one on the table with their yeah it russian was one ads. of those fo- yeah. fo- photo booths where you can dress up like cowboys and that. And uh, oh, really? I remember, you know, tracking them down and wanting to meet them. And, you know, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I have a, a metal head That's deep awesome. within me that'll well, always cool be. That
1: me, and me and Adam are the same age. So, it's yeah. that, you know, it's that thing. What's funny about the Thoroughgood connection to that, uh, us in our age, is that we were doing a tour years back in Canada and we were on our way into uh um i don't remember which town we were going into but uh oh got yeah snowed in yeah and we were stuck all day with a guy from the kids in the hall yeah and,
0: Oh, okay. uh, calgary okay. they had they were supposed to play
1: calgary that night and we were the next that was day. a
0: british sitcom or whatever uh, was uh, it Brit- canadian. canadian
1: canadian okay that's yeah. right that's right yeah. so we hung out with them all day at the little truck stop and then finally they open up so we follow them in Then we get a call, hey, they're going to go ahead and do their show without the props. They're going to start about 10 if you guys want to go. So we go to the show, watch it. You know, it's great. We all go down, uh, you know, afterwards in a green room. We're down there. And all the guys and the kids in the hall are the same age as as me and Adam. So they're all coming up. You know, we're getting our pictures. They're like, hey, introduce me to George. Because they at the same time that uh, Bad of the Bone came out, MTV was just coming out and getting big. You know, I was like you know 14 years old or whatever so we're all the same age so that's why you know thoroughgood was like you know when you think of you know he's like elvis it was in, huge. of our age yeah yeah so i had to take and i'm like yeah i take these guys over you know to meet george and they were so you know it's like you know they wanted to meet elvis basically you know yeah. and
2: but he so- will ham it up for you when you okay. meet him is the yeah. you know the yeah. the, the, the oh, fun part
1: who are you yeah, <laughs> yeah, and he and he loves him because he's a you know he's a comedian. He loves right, that, right. the funniest, but he's not gonna yeah. You
2: know. Yeah, if he could never play the guitar again and tell jokes, we'd all be out of a job. Yeah. That's the
1: thing.
2: <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> well, I
0: can tell live. He's got that 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 total sense of humor, and he's yeah. just got that rapport where yeah, the audience. Where well, he's just comfortable up there, and, and there's no act ramble. there. That's, yeah, that's yeah. not an act. That's George twenty four seven. Yeah,
2: it there's, it truly is. Yeah. Right on.
0: Well, maybe we'll be. get that's him cool. on a podcast one of these days. Careful what you <laughs> wish. I don't you
2: know wish, if talk about yeah. You want to be, be able to ask a few <laughs> questions, right?
0: <laughs> or you wanna, no, you we'll just let him, him roll with time. it.
2: <laughs> maybe he can interview time. you.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that, that would be great, too. I would love What's
1: that. In this inside metal thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's metal? Metal what? <laughs> yeah. Right
0: on. Well, gentlemen, it's always a pleasure uh, talking to you guys. And hopefully we can hang out again soon. Let me know when you're back in California. Yeah, we'll definitely. You know, I'm I'm between uh, LA and and uh, Northern California, so anytime you're in town, uh, give me a holler. We'll go out, go out for uh, dinner, and just hang out and have a few beers. And uh,
2: yeah, man, we'd love uh, that.
0: Absolutely. And Rev, before we go, why don't you uh, give a plug once again and on how people could? Yes. Uh, know, revjones.com, right?
1: Revjones.com. Uh, anything Rev Jones base will always find me. If you don't put base on there, sometimes you end up with. Uh, jim jones and I, I that actually
0: did pop up it and everybody gets all, likes that thank <laughs> <all laughs> you well yeah. it's, just, it's not as bad as when i uh talking to frank marino you know from mahogany rush you type in frank marino it comes out as a as a, a, a female impersonator in Las Vegas.
1: Yes, I've uh, I know I've seen. Oh,
0: Frank Marino's there tonight. Yes. You look at the picture, and yeah. well he That's looks a lot different. It's like, whoa, it's a cross oh, yeah. I didn't know
1: that. Maybe I don't want to hear those songs.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. And uh, Adam, anything uh, we got? We got to look forward to seeing George hopefully at the end of the year. in yeah, September? just
2: check out Thoroughgood dot com. It's all on there, uh, and. uh yeah, you'll you'll see us uh, unless something drastic happens that won't be our fault. We will be on the road this year, um, and end of summer through the year, and then uh, next year is uh, Europe, Canada, and uh, a couple other things I can't talk about. We're working on, but we're gonna be we're gonna be busy.
0: All right, let's yeah. get them on some more metal festivals. I'd let's love that, man. Yeah. When's the inside
1: metal festivals? Yeah, when's. <laughs> well, when's... <laughs> Well,
0: hopefully soon, you know, we obviously for the Bay Area Godfathers, we had to cancel all the screenings. We had a few uh, planned for that and that had to all be canceled. But, you know, we'll, we'll work on something. Hopefully, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But I do appreciate both your support for the Inside Metal titles as well as the Bandiverse brand. That is yeah, so uh, honoring to know that you guys are big fans of the uh, the uh documentary series. And, uh you know, support these guys, support George, all you metal heads out there. And support Bob. Yeah, well, thank you, Adam. And support the Rev Jones band, too. Check yeah, out his absolutely. new CD. When is the new CD coming out, Rev? Uh,
1: probably, I'm, I'm hoping for July.
0: July, right gonna,
1: on. We're going to set the, when the mix is done, that's when we'll set the date, you know.
0: And the title is, again? In the Key of Z. In the Key of Z, nice. right on. Gentlemen, it was an absolute pleasure. You guys take care, and we will talk thank very you, Bob. soon. All right. Thank See you, Bob. All right. All right,
1: bye-bye. Bye. Bye, Adam.